0: Welcome back to Zoo Notable. I'm PJ with Zoo Fit, and we have a really great, really really great guest. I love I love talking to my author friends, especially those that have gotten published. Like my friend today, Barbara Wolfe Terrell. Um, she's written an amazing memoir uh, called Reconfigured, and I just after again just knowing you personally and then also after reading this i was like i just can't wait to talk to you about this so barbara thank you so much for joining me today thank you pj it's so good to be here all the way from whidbey island yes and way in hawaii for you yeah one island to another yes (laughs) For those of you who are not in the know, Woodby Island is my paradise. This is what I I I lived on Woodby Island from 2016 to 2019 and in those 3 years it just captured my heart and in those 3 years I met some wonderful wonderful people and Barbara is one of those. So, yeah, Barbara, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Hi, I'm Barbara, and I moved here to Woodby Island, which is in Washington in the Salish Sea or Puget Sound, as people say, not far from Seattle, really, but if we want to go anywhere, we take a a ferry, you know, usually. So, although there is one bridge off Woodby Island. Basically, uh, I grew up in the Midwest and a small town in uh, Northfield, Minnesota, and then got married and Lived, my husband was in Chicago, so I lived there. We raised our kids in Evanston, Illinois. We have two daughters, and I've been writing all my life, or, you know, ever since I was young, and and just kept writing for newspapers and magazines and things like that. And uh, when I moved to Woodby Island, I moved here on my own. My husband wasn't ready to move, shall I say. And my daughter had one of our do- We have two daughters. One had moved here, and when I visited her, I thought, oh... I, this is, I just, there's something about the place where I felt so at home and mm-hmm. people are just, you know, you, you could have a real conversation with someone you just met. It's like the opposite of what I grew up with, what's Minnesota nice. You might get to know someone if you, you know, started out in kindergarten with them, but otherwise, no, <laughs> no, you don't get to know. So it was like, I just loved it here. And then within less than four months I'd been diagnosed with breast cancer and here I was on an island with hadn't gotten my you know insurance or any doctors or anything in Washington state yet and had to scramble around and figure out stuff and realized I had to go off the island to get care for all you know for my treatments so that took an entire year of 2017 and Going through that, I just felt like, well, I learned some things here, and I I just started writing right around 2020. I felt like I have a lot, I have some things I want to share. And also just, I don't know if other writers feel this, but to work it out for myself, what, what I needed to process and synthesize what I'd gone through. Yeah, so then I spent a good year or two writing this uh, memoir that I ended up calling Reconfigured
0: um, it's a really, really beautiful really cool story. I have to just let me put this out. I have a lot of friends that are writers, and and that's that's what happens when you focus your energy on writing for like I think it was close to seven years for me. You're gonna meet writers. You're gonna meet a lot of writers. But but Barbara, your story is the first one that I can remember that really. Truly, I'm reading at work, right? I'm reading on my lunch break, and I'm like, "Damn, Barbara, stop making me!" I was crying, and like, I'm like trying to like hide. Uh, your book did bring me to to tears in a oh. lot, of ways. And, and some of it was actually again just you have a a pretty heartbreaking uh, situation. We'll talk about, but also you're you're just that's a that is a that is a skill that when you bring. Mm-hmm. The emotions out. We were. I was talking to somebody last week about trigger warnings, and I'm like, I don't feel that. Like that's not. A, it wasn't. Yeah, somebody might be reading something about you, what you're, you went through, and be like, that's a trigger. But yeah, we feel, and that's what writers. That's what good writers do. If, if you're a good writer, then every single writer should have trigger warnings on their books. And so um, I appreciated what you wrote. And we got the, the climate. Of, this is from Reconfigured. The climate of the Pacific Northwest was indeed often murky and damp, but the atmosphere was the opposite of depressive for me. When I was there, I felt as close to content as I'd ever been. I explored the forests and the bluffs every chance I got, even in the rain. There's like again you're talking about a place that like even though most people most people when i say you know the pacific northwest is my paradise they're like Ugh. <laughs> it doesn't it rain all the time i'm like yeah it rains all the time here in hawaii too but it's uh, <laughs> you know but everybody still considers that heaven um but the it's just something about the the Pacific Northwest. And there was something about Woodby that did the same thing that you said, really, really spoke to me. You got really involved, and you talked, there's a lot in your book talking about healing circles. And we happened, it happened to be
1: something that started right here on Woodby Island um, when a couple, Diana and her husband Kelly, had a, a global marketing business in this nice little cottage by the sea in Langley. And then Diana was diagnosed with cancer. She's had several cancers. One of the first ones was uh, lung cancer and she had like a one or 2% chance of survival. And so mm-hmm. they just took off and did a road trip around the country and thought that would be you know, their farewell trip. And she, there was some cutting edge technology that she was able to get to, for her treatments. And um, she's she's still around that was like 14 years ago or something now and she's she's still here and and at when she's recovered and survived they decided to devote their efforts to make you know instead of global marketing they wanted to help people with their health and healing and build community you know instead of Marketing. So now it's this wonderful thing that's part of Common Wheel, which is sort of an umbrella organization. And the idea being you can go and be in circle and um, really just, uh, if you've ever done a talking stick, it's like that. You have a a Mm -hmm. stick you pass, whoever's holding the stick gets to speak. And we always incorporate silence at the beginning of the circle and the end so there's always this grounding and this feeling that you can say what you need to say which as an extrovert for me i i need to process out loud sometimes and i can do it there when i was going through tough times or anytime we don't try to advise anyone there Mm -hmm. and we're not trying to rescue or save you or advise you in any way so it's a very freeing, simple, simple model, but I found it helped me so much through everything I had to go through. So I attended for at least three years, and and I appreciate what you said about the special nature of Woodby Island. I felt like you know I'd found my island of misfit toys or something where I could feel at home. And uh, it, people are just—I mean, there's a lot of wonderful places in the world, and it just happens that I. With our daughter here, I feel lucky to be here, and now our other daughters moved here, and now our my husband even moved here. <laughs> Took him a while.
0: Yeah, it's almost, I feel like, I've been saying this a lot, at least uh, recently, and I feel like sometimes the universe, I feel like the universe actually pulled me here to Hawaii. Maybe not because it was what I wanted, at the time, I would never have like said, "Oh, I can't wait to move to Hawaii." I actually applied on a whim, but um, but yeah, I feel like the universe uh, kind of pulled me here. That this is where I'm. I feel like I'm. I'm actually doing <clears throat> doing some really really great or good. Or on this end, I feel like I can I can really shine. But sometimes, like we get pulled to places where it's. I I got pulled to Washington and that was the best decision for me and my husband at that you know at that time like we we flourished there and I feel like some after reading your book about what what you've gone through I feel like Woodby Island pulled you there because like if if anything was going to get you through what you went through it was going to be the community that's on that was on Woodby mm-hmm. so you have, uh, again, you have a lot of comments about, about like, trusting the universe, and, and, and so tell me a little bit about, like, again, your journey, your spiritual journey, and again, what got you to would be, if you don't mind. It
1: was a time when my husband was very busy playing a lot of music, and we really didn't have much time together, and I felt like I, we needed some space needed maybe a little distance and 2,000 miles was about right. (laughs) I think it was like an emotional maturation that I had not, I'd skipped over maybe or something. I hadn't really gotten to know myself over the years. So what I found, I was like, I just knew I needed my space. And, you know, when I had a choice of spaces, I had my own little cottage in Langley on on an island where I could walk to the beach or walk into this cute little town with art galleries and I'm like that's when I sat down and was like let me listen to my own self what is it I need and I realized I wasn't paying much attention to my needs I was so tuned in to others and it's great to be empathic and intuitive like or a highly sensitive person but for me I hadn't uh taken the time. And 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 I, my husband and I happen to practice Buddhism. So I should know, you know, you'd think I would know about sitting down and listening to myself. But I did. I'm so, you know, I needed to be in that quiet space by myself. And over the months, I just started paying attention. Oh, I have a feeling. What is it? <laughs> Maybe I should listen to it. It sounds like so basic and, you know, should have done this probably back in, nursery school or something but you, I that's when I started to be like oh I can make boundaries for myself and I can you know pursue what is important to me
0: I know you share quite frequently I think one of the the themes after as I was reading was like again how to become true to yourself and be you yeah in the in the beginning you mentioned a, psychologist arthur Genov who says like the number one killer in the world is not cancer or heart disease but it's repression and and then you get a little bit further you have a adult a friend who actually says you know you've got to be barbara or you're going to explode right um that takes a lot of bravery again not many people would would say oh you know <laughs> like I can't think of Chris staying in Washington while I came out here. <laughs> my husband—it um, takes a lot of—it takes a lot of courage. Yes, to be somebody there. who
1: reviewed my book said she was she was really found it interesting, but she said I couldn't imagine do you know just being apart from my husband. You just you know, for some people that's hard to imagine. For me, it was like I was so happy alone in my little cottage.
0: <laughs> but <laughs> for for me, it was like. Would be truly again brought a lot of that, and I think again, reading from your experience here, especially at Healing Circles, because it brought out the real, you know, being you un- unapologetically, but also again, it's nothing like you were this you changed 100%. I see like an emergence of I got to know you uh, during this journey, even now, seeing like the when I was di- getting to know you when, at the beginning of your journey. And then the person I see now, it's not again, it's not a night and day, but I see like there's this like this uh there is a a, a little bit of a light around you uh, mm-hmm. that that is a little bit a little bit more prevalent, like you carry yourself just a little bit differently.
1: I think there are gifts of cancer, and when people say that it sounds like I'm not saying anyone's glad to get cancer or, you know, right, it's right not the happiest thing in the world, but there were several gifts for me of cancer. And one was that I, you know, I started to listen to myself and take better care of myself. And then the other thing was, you know, even though my husband and I were 2000 miles apart and I thought, I felt so happy in my little sanctuary of my cottage. I felt like, oh, this is how I'll get through like chemotherapy. This is how mm-hmm. I'll get treatments. and. And my, you know, there's neighbors who are friendly, who can help bring food or whatever. And my daughter's nearby, but I just want to be alone. That's my best way to recover, I'm sure. Well, there's some things that your body goes through that you need help with. You need other people to get over that hump of Mm
0: -hmm.
1: suffering, which what, what happened with the very first chemotherapy, I was like, but, you know, it was so difficult that I realized maybe I couldn't just manage it all on my own. And I just called my husband to tell him, "Wow, this is harder than I expected." And he's—he stepped up. He, you know, in a way I didn't know he would, and just said, "Well, I'll be there. I'm coming."
0: That's yeah. That was really touching. I think this is you got me to tear up a little bit. But, it, yeah. But, well, that was transformative
1: moment in to know that he, you know, he was there for me and he, we both, that's not like instant or friendly and, and, you know, back in love, but it was definitely a turning point where we we could both grow and, you know, being Buddhist, the whole idea is when you have a suffering or an issue with someone else, we get to look at ourselves first, right? What is my karma? What am I <laughs> so it's like we're both evolving. We're both doing our human revolution as, as we like to call it. I, you know, I knew that he was changing and I knew I was changing and being more real, which I think is, if we were going to have to break up, you may as well do it as your real selves instead of, you know, trying to be someone you're not. Like that woman, Mrs. Matsuda says, I was trying to be a Japanese style wife because my husband's Japanese American. And, um, and that, there, there's some things to, uh, extra things to deal with when you're in a mixed marriage of any kind. You know, we culturally and uh, temperament and mm-hmm. stuff like that are are different. And uh, so, yeah, when Mrs. Matsuda, one of my Buddhist mentors, I said, I'm trying to, you know, be a good wife in a Japanese way. And she said, mm, you got to be Barbara. You're
0: going to explain <laughs> So what I really appreciated with this book, you did not leave me wondering anything. Like you just really went through piece by piece, like and and it wasn't like a this is like a step by step guide or anything. This was just like it was it flowed. But I never had a question like, well, what was what was Barbara thinking at this point? You gosh, you just did a wonderful job of sharing. Thank again. you. So a lot of my a lot of my listeners are i, I again i talk about self-care a lot of my listeners might be contemplating writing but they're not actual writers uh writing yet and again my my hope when i talk to especially when i talk to these published authors yeah, yeah. is to inspire them to you have such an amazing story and i get i i know a bunch of zookeepers that have amazing stories and uh, and you know, when I talk to people who are not in the zookeeping field, they're like, "Yes, oh my gosh, I'd love to hear these stories." But you talk to someone and outside and in the field, they're like, "Oh gosh, it's just my like boring day. Who cares?" And um, and here you're, you're laughing, but I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge you. Like when you were writing this, were you thinking who who's gonna want to read a story about a person, you know, woman with breast cancer? That did that go through your head at all?
1: Yeah, of course. So yeah, there's like a, a, a writer you probably know of, Philip Lopate. He said most people think they're e- either too weird or too ordinary to write about their lives. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm not. I don't feel ordinary, but I'm not that weird, you know. But so I just felt like I I wanted to share with people. Um, I I also felt like how much can I say, and will I really be willing to put out? some of the things like as a teen I write about being a teen and some of this backstory about how I became you know like the Janov quote you gave how maybe some of this repression had started and the stress building up which I hadn't been my I hadn't let kept my emotions in motion mm-hmm. they were getting stuff they weren't hurt I wasn't listening to myself and definitely there was repression and I definitely felt as soon as I was diagnosed with cancer I was like oh That's where all that stress went. You know,
0: you mentioned that. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So that it really helped me to talk for a while to a developmental editor, you know, because I was sort of after a while, you kind of glaze over, you don't, you know, it's hard to look at your own writing day after day for a year. And after about a year, I was like, I need someone else to give me some ideas. And I thought she said something very useful to me fairly early on in our work together. And she got me, I really appreciate her. She got my story and what it was, how it was meaningful to me and could be to others. But she did tell me one day, there's a lot of interesting, good stories out there. Mm -hmm. What does the reader get out of your story? Is there a a takeaway for the reader? And I said, wait a minute, Annie, you're saying I can speak directly to my readers? And she said, yes. I (laughs) I I love sharing with people. That was then help me then say, well, what is my main insight in this chapter? What is my, do I have a bit of wisdom here to share? Do I have something uplifting that they can take away with this? You know, like a, cha- a chapter about home. She really challenged me to add a better ending to that. And I it really got me thinking, you know, what what was so special to me about having this this place where I could finally feel at home. What I ended up writing at the end is, where you are always playing roles or amusing others, it's a stage, not a home. Where mm-hmm. you are only serving others, it's a job, not a home. Where I can be heard and hear myself, that's home. Yes. So it made me realize, uh, you know, when you're kind of pushed a little and I need to be pushed sometimes, I, I realize I do know something more than I said. You know, I, I don't have to end with a cliche. I could say something more, you know. So I think writers, uh, I really encourage anyone to just write in journals or write books or letters, whatever, because I think, for me anyway, the process is so illuminating and gratifying. And to now be able to share it with people, I'm just blown away. I just am so full of gratitude that I had chance to write a book I found a way to get it published through She Writes Press and that there are people in the world reading it. It's in some bookstores and libraries and online. So I'm really just I, I can't tell you how moving that is for me. And, <laughs> and I'm, you know, of course, already starting to work on my next book, which will be a book of essays. But and I, another thing I might say, too, about writing is like like I said, to be vulnerable, like to talk about things I thought I'd never talk about in my life, like embarrassing things I did as a teenager. But I've I've not regretted it. Since the book is out in the world, I thought, oh, this is going to be awkward. My, you know, my high school classmates or whoever might, you know, read it. And you know what? It's been great. And people from my past have shown up at my book talks and they have I was, you know, thinking, are they gonna say, no, I remember it this way, or no, you were mm-hmm.
0: actually you
1: know, a pain in the butt or whatever. <laughs> you know, it's all been most, you know, I would say it's so supportive and people are interested. And like you said, it's moved a lot of people. And I've saw someone start, you know, even reading the excerpt that was in the Seattle Times May 28th. Um, someone was reading about that, which is about my healing journey, pilgrimage to Mount Rainier, you know, kind of uh, just to the national park. I didn't climb the mountain or anything, but, you know, when they were reading that, they started crying and I'm like, yeah, and that's not, I'm not trying to make people sad. I think if you, if you move someone in that way, it's, it's really extraordinary and special.
0: Yeah. And again, as as I said, it's a mark of a, of a skilled writer and I do, I want to, indicate it's a skill. It's not a talent. I think of talent as like this thing that's just God given, so to speak. Like, you know, you were born with it. You have you have talent. You hone skills. Like you so, and that's why I say it's a skilled writer. I feel like I've become skilled writer. I feel like I've definitely became a skilled animal trainer. And I'm I'm becoming a more skilled coach too. So those are things that take here's the p word practice and <laughs> you have to practice so there is a again folks here if you think even if you think you remotely have like a glimmer of a story again reminds you that it's a very healing thing to uh to to go through and write the story in, in and of itself and i'll re- remind folks of uh stephen um stephen king has a has a saying right the first the first draft is all for you and if you never go past that first draft you wrote it for you you got it out you got that story out and if you want to go a step further the second draft is then for the the readers then just when you fine tune it and you know hone your skills to make it a little bit better but yeah, I feel like, again, this is a great culmination of, <laughs> of all your <laughs> I mean, skills.
1: When you're writing memoirs, you know, fiction is another thing, but when you're writing about yourself, it's very interesting. And just to realize that you can sit, you know, it helps you understand yourself better. And
0: when you are writing about yourself, you have to be a little bit, you have to, well, I will say you have to, I think it helps and I think what helped for me to really connect with, with your book is you were very vulnerable. You, yeah. you didn't, you didn't hold back. You didn't say like, Oh yeah, everything was going great with me and my husband and Oh yeah, I have breast cancer. No big deal. It's, <laughs> well, it's you, you, you talked about, again, I never had to question what was Barbara thinking because you are are very open with it. And I think that's again, the other part of makes it such a good, a good story is, is being open, being vulnerable, owning up to some of those mistakes. Yes. And then it's, I think one
1: great thing about writing too, is you find out there's more humor than you thought maybe in some of these stories that seem tragic, but there's a lot of comedy and maybe those two things can go together sometimes, tragedy and comedy. And so, yeah, writing about, really difficult times and going through struggles and trying to um make room in my life for my my family and understand you know what my role was and and now it seems like I can be myself I can enjoy my marriage and my our kit our children and now our grandchild so and now I just feel like if I need to say you know oh you know, whatever, if I have a feeling or I need to, you know, go do something for myself, I can say that now instead of getting over tired or over anxious.
0: And so again, one last thing that really spoke to me about this book was actually about how you truly became an advocate for your own care. A couple of times you you know, you go against the grain, or you ask the the doctors the hard questions. And one of the things that again I liked talking about getting a second opinion, but even talking about the surgeon, you had I wanted to know my options for going under the knife. In green, I typed, "What course of action would you recommend for your own family member with my kind of breast cancer?" I'm going to like just I want that to be tattooed on people's arms when they go into doctors, not just for breast, you know, for your thing. If if your family member came to you with this ailment, with this symptom, with this, what would you how would you treat them? Would you and, and that's such an important question too, because so often I've been hearing stories about how women are just discounted at the doctor's office. And maybe not in this particular type of situation where you know, sometimes I feel like I've I've had to go back for for second second looks at my at at my own exams because breast cancer is not a joke. I don't and that and I take it seriously too. But you know, it's very easy to dis for some reason it's very easy to discount women's pain, women's uh, symptoms as. Uh, yeah. As they're depressed, or you know, are you pregnant? No, <laughs> and hormonal. So I just like I really that's just an example. That one quick question was an example of just I again where you showed didn't just tell me but showed how you became a true advocate for your care. So
1: yeah and i really feel for the doctors to be honest especially when i was in the hmo it's like they <laughs> they have such a short amount of time and they're supposed there's a high turnover and,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they didn't really have develop relationships with me anyway maybe they do sometimes with people because you're always they're always changing and whatnot and i i wasn't always good about navigating the system now i'm at this different level and They asked me to do genetic testing, which the HMO didn't say, said wasn't necessary. turns out I have two genetic factors. It was one when I wrote the book, but now we found another one. So I have two genetic risk factors for cancer. So I need to be monitored a couple of times a year, you know, so it's not something I, you know, fret about, but it's something to stay on top of. I feel very lucky to have those options now and i'm doing well i feel great i have no issues that you know to complain about so i'm i'm just going to keep keep doing the things like the writing and the long hikes and the going up to sunrise at subalpine meadows mm-hmm. and mount yes. Rainier. <laughs> just enjoy this amazing world we live in
0: Yes, absolutely. And doing those again, taking those those steps. If you if you are at risk making sure that we're taking care of ourselves, um, very often, especially in the field that again zookeeper, we put the animals first and we're like, oh, I have back pain, but I need to I need to power through and I need to take care of these animals and I need to I need to be a part of the team. Like I can't I have back pain, but I still need to pick up these twenty-pound, you know, buckets or these uh, fifty-pound um, bags of grain because my team is counting on me, and I can't, I can't feel like I'm, I'm not, I'm not contributing enough. Take care of yourself, and like, take, have that, have that be like. It could be, it could be, it could be nothing, but we don't know until until you check it out. And if it is something. Take care of it. You know, be that advocate for your for your care. Um, I like to tell my my folks, my friends. You know, we can't take care of the animals for not taking care of ourselves. And uh yeah, the same thing. And I I do I don't like spoilers, but you know, your your husband and you are are now back together, living yeah. in the same place in Woodby. And I I feel like that time away that again becoming more yourself and then going through and becoming that advocate for your care because you took care of yourself you're able to to come back together and a little bit yeah you know, again writing about that as well I would come back and a little bit stronger than than you were when you when you left in the first place so yeah um, yeah <laughs> i think living by
1: myself for a while allowed that connection there's a, a therapist or, you know, psychologist, I quote in the book about you need to have aloneness before you can have connectedness mm-hmm. or something like that. That made so much sense to me in that moment. Uh, I'm like, yeah,
0: that's how I feel. Sounds very <laughs> Zen Buddhist.
1: <laughs>
0: Just to be, um,
1: but I think, you know, as far as the health issues you're mentioning that to to take them seriously is, is important. So I think when you're raised by um, my mom was like into Adele Davis and health food and eat your whole grain bread. And it was, so that made me feel I could be proactive about my health, which was good, Mm -hmm. but like, you can't just use nutrition to to get your way out of cancer, you know? So in a way, at first I underestimated the ferocity, the Mm -hmm. strength of cancer. And I was like, I don't need no chemo. I, I I'm not a person who would ever do chemotherapy. That sounds terrible for your body. And I'm like, then you realize, Oh, you actually they actually found cancerous tumors. And that's when I'm like, Oh, could we get these out? Yes, I do. <laughs> I do want surgery. Yes, yes I do. But you know, I, I love that. My mom raised me like to just, just drink some cranberry juice or whatever, if you feel sick. But sometimes, you do need to listen to those doctors who have seen what cancer these illnesses can do and take it seriously. I was kind of naive.
0: One last thing, again, one of the things that I've always appreciated about, about you again is that the Buddhist nature and you came to visit me. We moved away from from would be. It broke my heart, but you came to visit and um, I actually have the card now is now at at work it's on our refrigerator door at works because that's where I need it the most. Right now. <laughs> right. but it's, it's a, uh, you gave me a card that has a, the Lotus mantra on there. And again, we can go, we can go into a little bit or just, just briefly, but Yeah, the na-myoho-renge-kyo. yeah, yeah. Na-myoho-renge-kyo. <laughs> yeah and my- Myoho Renge Kyo
1: means basically the title of the Lotus Sutra. So it's, the mystic law of the lotus is kind of the, and a, a sutra is a Buddhist teaching. And my husband and I are the kind of Buddhists that we we don't sit and empty our minds regularly. Maybe we should more often, but we, we're more like we chant every day and we usually chant every day together, reciting a portion of the Lotus Sutra because it's a very powerful teaching. And the basis of it is that everyone has the Buddha nature that yes, we are like, we can be like a lotus and the lotus is significant in several ways. And I think the most poetic way uh, that it's significant is that the murkier the pond or the swamp where it's growing, the dirtier the water, the more beautiful the lotus is what is said about it. So Mm -hmm. in other words, maybe we've gone through some really tough stuff, but our life can really grow and shine from that we can polish our lives through going through tough stuff, if we can do it without, and this is a basic thing of Buddhism, looking at within ourselves first, instead of projecting you, 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 it's your fault, or, you know, I, I don't like you because of whatever. And then we, it, for me, it's just a good to have a daily practice too, because I am kind, I'm not just an extrovert, I'm very, uh, yeah, flighty, I guess, you know, I need to be grounded some way. (laughs) I do need grounding. So having a daily practice and whatever it is that you or the listeners want to do, that helps you feel more grounded, more centered, more loving, more accepting of yourself and others, more proactive in your lives and more content and happy and hopeful because I, I think Buddhism is a very hopeful practice. And to be honest, I was raised to be fairly agnostic, so Mm -hmm. I don't think we all need, but I do think that Buddhism could be seen as a philosophy and a psychology as much as a a religion. So it's helping us manage our minds and our bodies and the way we operate in the world, the way we interact. Um, It's helping us in ways that I would call psychology so you you don't have to be Buddhist or practice a religion to um to get the benefits of that kind of wisdom and that kind of daily common sense and getting to know ourselves better is always the cool thing. And I always say, just to maybe end on this note or, or get to the to the end here is, you know, if we're not being our unique selves, how can we fulfill our unique mission or purpose in life?
0: Yeah. That's and beautiful. how will we find our
1: unique tribe, like you and I, you know, we're sister writers, we're friends, and that we could find each other is so special. And I really, that means a lot that you can feel something from that practice or that gift of just giving you the card. So you, anybody mm-hmm. can use of that chant or just being spiritual in their own path, whatever that is.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, that's beautiful. Again, we're not trying to get into people to turn Buddhist or to, or even, even religious for that matter. It's just, again, finding, finding like, again, that way to center yourself. And that's just something that worked for me. And I think that it was, I just wanted to share that. And it was something that, again, that connected us. I've always, right. always right. appreciated it. As I've mentioned, it is on the refrigerator at work now. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> I mean, you know,
1: there, you need to have some sources of hope. At this time Mm when the pandemic we've had, you know, divisiveness in our country, we've had gun violence, things that you can get very depressed and discouraged about. So we need to know that the human spirit can be revived. We can revive it every day.
0: Every day, yep. And encourage it. Yeah.
1: We can choose love. We can choose wisdom. We can choose the patient path or whatever it is needed in that moment.
0: Yes. Oh, beautiful. Oh, Barb, thanks so much for stopping by and <laughs> virtually connecting. Uh, love the book. Again, it's called Reconfigured by Barbara Wolf Terrell. And uh, yeah, uh, as it, it is from a, a smaller publication by, by She Writes Press. Uh, so if you are struggling to find it at your lo- at your local bookstore um i'll put a link uh, for indiebound, but also you know for she writes that you can actually get any of their books from she writes press as well and um and yeah once again uh share those stories I, if you have a story to share again get, get in contact with me but um Barbara it was a wonderful to chat with you and again best of luck in all your ventures and
1: oh such a treat to see you and hugs and I miss you and thank you for having me on your podcast I always enjoy it so much